I want to just um, say and add that I am just humbled and full of gratitude to be able to be your pastor. Um, it is. Uh, beyond that, though, I'm just humbled and, and so appreciative to be among you. I, I say that not from the somebody who stands up here, but more so from the somebody who stands there with you worshiping, coming before our God together. It's just, I love being a part of this community, and I am super, super grateful that you are here, and I'm super, super grateful for the way that God is going to use you to continue to build his kingdom in our midst. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that there's no accident. Whether today is your very first Sunday, um, obviously I think you're going to love it. You're going to come back every week after this. Um, or you've been here from, the, from day one. You were here when those doors opened five years ago, and you were a part of this. God wants to use you, your home, your family, the place on your block to build his kingdom. I believe that with all my heart, and, and I think we're going to stand here in five years from now and have more stories to tell and more opportunities to just praise him for his goodness. So thank you uh, for being a part of it. I mentioned earlier this, this year that Sherry and I this summer had the opportunity to do a, a kind of a different family vacation than we've done. Uh, we traveled out west, we drove out to Colorado, went to Rocky Mountain National Park, and then drove from there to Moab, Utah, and went to Dead Horse State Park, which is, I, I don't know how it got its name, um, but something happened there. And then went to Arches National Park and then drove back up to uh, Colorado Springs and Garden of the Gods and then made the, the drive home. And it was like just under two weeks. It was a nice long drive and I loved it. We had amazing family time together. I saw things that I'd never seen before. It was beautiful, um, but I was really ready to be home. Like two weeks on the road, I wanted my own bed, my own house. I wanted to be, I was just, I was like, I loved every second of it, ready to be home. In contrast to that, though, I've also had vacations where it's like, you just, I just want to stay here. Like, I have this memory of a time when Sherry and I, I think Emma, our oldest, was two years old. I think you were pregnant with Lainey at the time. And these family from our church in Wheaton had a, a house up in, like, St. Joseph's, Michigan. And it was right on Lake Michigan. And they said, hey, you guys can just go stay up there as a family, relax. It was fall, so the weather was cool. There was a fire in the fireplace. There was like apple pie in the oven. Uh, uh, these people had um, a TV in the bathroom. So there was like, it was like you could take a bubble bath and watch a football game at the same time. It was not that you wanted to know that. Um, but I just remember thinking like, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave this place. This glass view overlooking Lake Michigan. The sunsets were amazing. And I just thought, like, I just want to stay right here. I want to remain here. I have the same feeling now as a dad, like when, when my two oldest are home from college, when everybody's around the dinner table together, I'm just like, I just want to, I want to stay right here, right? Until, until they start fighting. And then I'm like, okay, we can go. And they're ready. <laughs> I want you to hold on to that, that feeling. That, that, that evokes for a second. And we're continuing in our fall series entitled The Way. That description of the early church, these easy, these early followers of Jesus that we find in the book of Acts that were identified by their commitment to and their pursuit of living according to the way of Jesus. And we've been asking ourselves the question, okay, what does this look like for us? Some 2,000 years later, to live as disciples, apprentices of Jesus, what does this mean for us to be people of the way, and how do we do it? What does it look like? 
we're reminded that, that at the very outset of this, what is foundational to this is that the way is, it's not a program, it's a person. Jesus said in John 14, chapter, or John chapter 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he identifies himself as the way, and he says the destination of the way that he is is life. It's life. And he says in John 10, 10, I'm, I'm not only life, I'm abundant life. That that's what he brings us into. Last week, Pastor Joe was teaching on this idea of the way of Jesus and how do we enter into this. And he described it and he talked about it as a way of self-denial. It's a hard teaching. It's, 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 it conflicts with so much of what we experience and see in our culture. But Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus says, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. So the, in order for us to think about what does it mean to live as people of the way at the very outset of this, it has to involve this active and intentional laying down or the denying of self, the way of self, because that way doesn't lead to life. We set that aside, we lay that down, we pick up our cross, we pick up the way of Jesus. And according to the way of Jesus, right, according to what he's told us, this is something that we do daily. And it's hard and it's counterintuitive in so many ways, but it's the pathway that leads to life. Jesus restores us, he sets us back into the relational presence of the Father. Wherein we deny ourselves, we take up our cross, and we enter into the life that he offers. Again, in Luke 9, he says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. There's this exchange that takes place. And whoever loses his life because of me will save it. We're returned. We, we enter back into the presence of the Father and Jesus in the midst of that. And what he has done for us, he's going to teach us. He's going to instruct us. He's going to say, stay there. Stay, stay here in my presence. Remain here. Abide here. Where else would you rather be? In order to teach this to his disciples, Jesus would use the metaphor this idea of the way of remaining or the way of abiding, he would use the metaphor of a vine, a grapevine. We find this in John chapter 15. If you turn there this morning, remember so earlier when we were talking about Jesus' teaching, this is a part of this farewell discourse. Jesus preparing his disciples for the fact that he is going to the cross and Jesus has already taught them, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And as he continues in this teaching, he says this in verse 1 of chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Now pause there for a second. Because this, is, this imagery, this is something that his disciples would have been familiar with. It's one of the metaphors that is um, used somewhat frequently in the Old Testament to describe the uh, covenant people of God. But it's oftentimes used in a way that is, um, it's kind of an indictment, let's say. That, that God has, he has established his covenant people. He's planted them and he has tended them, but they're failing to bear fruit. And so in Isaiah chapter 5, if 
you were to flip back there, and we won't do that today, but you'd see this imagery of this vine, but it's not, it's not bearing fruit. It's a way that God was calling out the people for being unfaithful. But now notice what Jesus says here. Instead, now he says, I am the true vine. Me, I will be the means that connects people into the presence of the Father. They're going to come through me. I will be for you what you have been unable to be. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, Unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire and they're burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples, my apprentices. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made complete. As we work through this, this passage together, I want to just mention that I mentioned a couple weeks ago that my, this idea of apprenticing to Jesus, this was formed in my thinking much by the, the writings of Dallas Willard and, and his research on this and, um, and his pastoral wisdom on it. And likewise, um, somebody who, who I've also learned a lot from is a pastor out in Portland, Oregon, who teaches a lot on this, by the name of, of John Mark Comer. And I have appreciated his work. In fact, he's actually left the church that he was out in Portland and has started a ministry called Practicing the Way. It's all about building in the habits that help us experience this idea of, of abiding. And he has, much of his work has shaped my thinking in this, right? So if you're ever like online and you're watching a John Mark Comer sermon and you think, wow, that sounds a lot like I think he stole Sterling's stuff when he was preaching. That's not how it went down. Um, but, but Comer points this out when he talks about the way of Jesus, this idea of abiding or apprenticeship. And he said there's really three key components. He said first it is about being with Jesus. Then it's about becoming like Jesus. And then it's about doing what Jesus did. Let me say that again. It's, it's about being with him becoming like him, we'll talk more about that in a minute, and then doing what Jesus did. And see, the order here matters. In order to become like Jesus, in order to do the things that he did, you, you first have to be with him. This is the way of remaining, or as we, I'm using remaining and abiding kind of simultaneously uh, uh, as the same word. The ESV translates it as abiding, 
Uh, the NIV and the CSB translate it as remaining. It's the Greek word meno, and it's used 10 times here in, in John chapter 15. It's coming back to it again and again and again. If you were here last week, Pastor Joe was teaching, and he, he made a comment because, and it keeps happening, we have a way of showing up on Saturday night or Sunday morning wearing very similar things. And, and he made the joke, he was like, He's saying, clearly, I've been spending too much time with, with Sterling, and he's going to wake up with a beard and be talking about Ohio State and all these sorts of things, right? And now, uh, you will be happy to know that last night at the Saturday night service, we were wearing, like, a very similar shirt. Like, it is getting weird at one point in time. But this is the idea of abiding, right? It's, it's this in the Jewish mind, the disciples' minds, as they're hearing Jesus teach it, this is their understanding of what it means to be a disciple of a rabbi. You spend time with them. You watch them. You're at their feet. You're hearing their teaching. You're becoming like them. And over the course of time, you start to do the things that they do. It all begins with time spent with. Jesus instructs his disciples to remain or to abide. And so my, my objective here today Whereas oftentimes I'll, I'll kind of work through a passage and notice a couple different points. I really want to just focus on this idea of abiding. It's sort of a, a one-point sermon, if you will. I want to focus on the idea of what it means to abide. It's a question that immediately pops into our head when we think about this. Is okay, what, what does this mean? And then how do we do it? And I just want to caution you this morning. I'm, I'm not going to really jump into how we do it. Because I think if you're anything like me, my human inclination is I want to immediately turn abiding into striving. Like I want to I be like, okay, well, tell me the 10 steps to abide. Like, what do I need to do? What do I need to, you know? And, and, and I think at the heart of this message, at the heart of what Jesus is instructing us into, and we'll talk about practices later on that, that serve to help us abide, but I, wanna, I really want to be cautious not to go directly into a list of things to do. I, I want us to stay at the heart of what it means to abide. There's a couple of things that, that I want to point out here. First is that on, on both sides of this instruction, and, and I, I call this an invitational command. Right? Jesus is commanding his disciples to abide, but he does it like in an invitational way. I, I compare, like, my grandma used to do, like, invitational commands. Like, stay for dinner, Sterling. Like, why don't you hang out? It's like, ah, oh, grandma, I got to go. I got people I got to see. Like, no, stay for dinner. It's like, I'm, I'm going to stay for dinner. Like, you know, like, <laughs> she had a way of, of doing that. And both sides of this invitational command, Jesus instructs his disciples, or really he, he talks to them. He gives them the promise of the coming Holy Spirit. Look just previous to this in John chapter 14. He says this in, in verse 15. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. That's a reoccurring theme in Jesus's farewell speech. And he says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He's the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you and he will be in you. Now, verse 25. Of, of chapter 14, he says, I have spoken these things to you while I re remain with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, 
will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've told you. Now, look at the end of chapter 15, after Jesus has used this metaphor of the vine. 15, verse 26. He says, When the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. So Jesus, on both sides of this teaching of this metaphor, he's, he's telling his disciples about the promised coming of the Holy Spirit. In other words, according to Jesus, the way that we remain, the way that we be with Jesus today is via the Holy Spirit. Right? When Jesus was here on earth in the flesh, he willingly took on flesh and its limitations, right? Philippians 2, he made himself nothing. So to be with Jesus was to be physically proximate with him. Like you were with him and then you left somewhere and you weren't with him. And then you returned to his presence and you were with him. But now Jesus is telling his disciples, he's saying that you can remain with me, instructing them to abide in him. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in us, right? We have unlimited access. So as apprentices of Jesus, right, this idea of abiding, this, this apprenticeship that we are about, it's grounded in, it finds its foundation as, as, this, um, as living in a constant state of awareness and connection to the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. That what it means to abide, what it means to, what is foundational for you and I, if we are going to live as an apprentice of Jesus, is that we have to be aware of and in connection with the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, right? Because it is through the Holy Spirit that we can be with Jesus and we can be with the Father constantly, right? all the time. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. Remain in me. Get, get into my father's presence and stay there. Ground yourself there. Put down roots there. In verse 9, he says, and, and as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. Abide in my love. Like, call to mind, if you can, a moment when you have felt powerfully loved. Like by a friend, by, by a, a neighbor or a coworker or a parent or a spouse. They, think of that moment, right? You, you, you want to return to that. The experience of that was transformative for you. You understand that desire. Jesus says, remain in my perfect love for you. In fact, that that then results in what's born out of that is, is obedience. Verse 10, he says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I kept my father's commands and remain in his love, right? Is, is obedience the way that we gain the love of Jesus? Does he love us more when we're more obedient? No, right? He, he's saying it's an indication that we've stayed there, right? Obedience is the result of remaining. Let's be honest with ourselves for a moment here. Sometimes we find the unconditional love of God to be frightening. See, the opposite of abiding is avoiding. 
when you know like when you see that person that you're ticked off with in the grocery store and like you turn down the aisle and they're there and then you just do the quick like like I don't I don't want this encounter I don't want this interaction I can think of a time um, in my own personal life where I was operating on empty just out of a, a dryness and a, a exhaustion and all of that and and I had some, some time off and I took some time just to like be at home. I was like, it wasn't, it wasn't a vacation where I sent somewhere. I just wasn't at work for the week. And I had a friend of mine who asked me after that week and just kind of knew what was going on in my life and just said, like, how was it? Was it restorative? Was it life-giving for you? And I said, you know, it really, not really. And they said to me, like, did you abide? And I knew, I knew exactly what they were going after. And I knew the answer was no. In fact, not only did I not abide, I avoided abiding. I kept myself busy with all kinds of things. Like if, if I can make sense of this, but if, you, if you've ever gone to like a therapist because you need to unpack some trauma or something you've experienced, if you've ever felt that sense of like, I don't, I don't want to go deal with all this. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to feel it again. I don't want to unpack it again. I just want to, like, can you just magically make me better? Like, this is similar to like how the love, perfect love of God can be frightening to us. But the beauty of it is, is like, he's the, he's the loving gardener who tenderly brings us into his presence for restoration and for healing and there's safety there. Right? And it's not until we enter into his presence that we can begin to experience the promise of his word. So we can abide in all kinds of different things. Right? We can abide in fear and we can abide in shame and we can abide in achievement or approval or name your drug, right? We can abide all kinds of different places. But the perfect love of the Savior invites us to abide in Him, to heal and to restore. It's also true that remaining in Christ does not equal avoiding the world. Right? It's, it's, there are spiritual practices, and we'll talk more about this, that involve times of withdrawal and seasons of solitude. We see Jesus practice this, times where He goes off to the wilderness, and but He does so in order to engage like that's the purpose so the model set to us by jesus is one of engagement and influence we are christ's ambassadors paul writes the apostle peter said we always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have right we're not locking ourselves away from the world but rather via the holy spirit what jesus is teaching us and this call to abide is how to be in two places at once. Right? He's teaching us as I'm starting my day, looking in the mirror, brushing my teeth. I'm there and I'm with the Father. As I'm making that first phone call of the day to a client who's angry and I know it's going to be a difficult conversation. That's you, not me. I don't call you clients. So just sorry. <laughs> as you're making that phone call, you're there and you're in the presence of the Father as you come home and you're parenting your kids and you're exhausted and maybe things aren't going the way you're there 
and then you're in the presence of the Father as you're going through marriage together, as you're building relationships with your neighbors, as you're uh, out in the world, you're in those spaces, and you're in the presence of the Father. Right? Remain in Him and He with us as we engage in the world. We, we aren't intended to see these as separate spaces. There's a, a fifth, uh, 15th century monk by the name of Brother Lawrence, who is uh, a Parisian monk, and he talked about this idea as the practice of the presence of God. And his role in the monastery was he was, worked in the kitchen, and he would clean the dishes, and he would cut potatoes, and he would do all this stuff, and he would say, as I am cleaning dishes, I'm in the presence of the Father. As I am cutting potatoes, I'm in the presence of the Father. It's learning the practice of the presence of God. As we look at this, notice there's just a, a couple expectations, things that we can expect as we abide here. The first expectation is, is we should expect fruit in the abiding, right? John 15, uh, verse 2, again, Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, which that um, there's a lot of, of agricultural terminology going on here. The idea of that is less about like this is a branch that's in him, right? But it's not uh, producing fruit that the words there are kind of this connotation of the gardener trellising this. Like it's been growing on the ground. It's incapable of producing fruit. And he, he removes it. He sets it up so that it will produce fruit. He prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Right? The evidence of, of remaining, of abiding is fruit. And notice the difference, the distinction here between producing and bearing. Right? The vine produces it. We bear it. To borrow Warren Wiersbe's phrase on this, he said, we are display racks for the character of Christ. We're to be display racks. is evidence that we have been with him. We remain in him as a result of being around him, of being with him. He begins to produce in us this fruit, right? But the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Who does that sound like to you? Where have you seen this before? Right? It's a description of Jesus. Tony Evans, in, in preaching on this passage in a way like only, only Tony Evans can preach it, but he said these three things that, that it's always true of fruit. He said it always reflects the tree, it's always visible, and it's always for the benefit of others. Like the abiding produces fruit. Secondly, he says expect pruning. Verse 2, every branch... In me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. Right? As we 
as we abide, there is this producing and then there is also removing. Pruning is the removal of that which competes for the space and the nutrients of the fruit. But it's all, it's all supervised, it's all done by the loving work of the gardener. Right? We, again, we all abide somewhere. But we can trust the gardener to remove the things. And, and sometimes we experience this joyfully. Sometimes it reads to us painfully, but it's always purposeful. It's always for the, the purpose of, of bearing fruit, right? So again, if we're operating out of shame and fear and self and approval and achievement and all these sorts of things, the gardener is trimming those things away. The Holy Spirit that wants to remove from us these things so that we can bear more of the character of Christ, that we can grow in that. And then finally, he says, expect joy. In verse 11, he says this. He says, I have told you these things, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What is the joy that Jesus promises here? Says, this is less than 24 hours before he's going to go to the cross. So it's certainly not circumstances working out in your favor. Right? It's his presence. In John chapter 16, we won't turn there today, but he talks about the joy of of what they're going to experience in the resurrection. He, he braces them for the sorrow and the grief. And he says, but there is a joy coming, a joy that cannot be taken away. I will be present with you again. See, this is his joy. His joy is his very presence with us. This is what he's been teaching us all the time. He is our joy. Remain, abide in him. This morning as we close, I want to invite us to come to the Lord's table together. And I can think of no better way when we've spent this time talking about what does it mean to abide? What does this look like? How do we remain in him? Because the Lord's table was given to us by Jesus as a tangible way of entering into his presence, of being reminded of his grace and mercy. If you're new with us, by the way, our ushers will walk around if you didn't receive the elements when you came in this morning. But if you're new with us, this is, the table is not a Chapel Street thing. This is The table belongs to Jesus. And if you're in a relationship with him, if you've trusted him for your salvation, you're welcome to join us. If you're still exploring what this means, I encourage you just to take this in as a witness to what we believe about Jesus. And I would love to to have conversation with you, have any questions about that at all. But I want you to take the bread. Because Jesus, when he was with his disciples that evening in the upper room, he took bread and he broke it. He handed it to his disciples and he said, this is my body given for you. Today, as you receive this bread, I want it to be a tangible reminder to abide in him. This is the body of Christ given for you. Abide in him. Take and eat in remembrance. And then he took the cup. And he said, this cup is my blood. It's the blood of a new covenant that's been shed for the forgiveness of sins. It's, it's the promise of the presence of God with us. We've been found acceptable because of his blood. Right? Stay there. 
Where else would you rather be? This is the blood of Jesus shed for you. Take and drink in remembrance of him. Amen. Amen. Draw me close and teach me to abide. Um, that is the, the uh, invitational command that uh, Jesus gave to his, his disciples. Um, in just a moment, I'm going to pray for us. I'll offer the benediction. Um, if you are staying for lunch, and there is no reason you should not stay for lunch. Like, if you forgot the RSVP, like, we always order a little extra. Like, I'll cut my, my Italian beef in half if I have to. Whatever. <laughs> I got to do, I want you to stay. I want you to join us as we celebrate. Look, we try to talk about this community as family and family gathers around the table and eats together. And so please stick around. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have this side of the room over here. If you guys would stack the chairs against the wall, then we'll bring in tables and we'll take these chairs, put them around the tables, and then we'll figure it out from there. We're going to start setting out the food in just a moment. Hang out. There'll be music. We'll be together. I think we're going to turn on the Bears game. If that's going well, then we'll keep it on. If it's making me crabby, then we don't know. So um, would you stand with me and receive this morning's benediction? Jesus, you have been so good to us. You have drawn us by your sacrifice into the restorative presence of the Father. Teach us to stay there. Teach us to abide in you. Lord, continue to do your good work among your church and in this place. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you.